With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Real sports guys. three-man booth in the house. We got the big show. Uh, the big three is back in full effect. Um, we're going to be still teased on low management, so he won't be here tonight. But uh, me and D. Will's going to hold you down. Uh, <laughs> it's his night off. He is. We try to make sure you make sure for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we got to keep him We got to keep him fresh for the stretch run. Yeah, we just get back into this. It's like preseason. You know, it's like summer league. You know, summer league. You don't want you don't want your your main guys. You know, they pull Zion after you know ten minutes. You know, he got a little knee bruise, had to pull him. You know, he's done for the rest of the summer league. So you got to protect you got to protect the assets. <laughs> you got to protect the assets, man. PAT's an asset, man. We can't um we got to keep him fresh. You know, we got to keep him going, man. We in this for the long haul. 
So, man, we back in business, back in full effect. Uh, NBA wowzers. This 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 thing is just. This has been a crazy, crazy off season, crazier than any I can remember in my in my lifetime, man. Um, I don't remember off season with this much intrigue, with this much suspense, drama. Um, I mean, what was it? 48% of the league was free agents. So you knew things were going to be crazy or had the potential to be crazy um, because half the league could change teams. Um, several stars were available. Um, and, man, it has just – wow. Wow, oh, wow. Um, so the big news now, Kawhi Leonard, you know, earthquake in Vegas. Um, most people thought, you know, it was just like the the tectonic plates and stuff. Nah, Kawhi was, had made a decision. <laughs> it just hadn't been announced. <laughs> a decision had been made, and the earth moved. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Why? So, you know, Kawhi decided, you know, he was going to go to the Clippers. You know, it sounds like he told the Clippers, yo, man, y'all get my guy PG, and I'm in. Y'all get PG, y'all get me. So, you know, PG goes to Oklahoma City and says, hey, trade me to the Clippers. The Clippers get wind of the trade demand. They get on the phone with Sam Presti, sent him all the draft picks that they had. I mean, they're going to be – the last draft pick that they owe OKC, I think the kid that OKC could potentially pick with that draft pick was born like last week. That's how long <laughs> OKC is going to own the Clippers draft picks. <laughs> like, I think literally – they they have the rights to a baby born last week. <laughs> Sam is in it for the long Somewhere long. in the country. Yeah, somewhere in the country, a future member of the OKC Thunder was born via the Los Angeles Clippers draft picks. So now you got PG and Kawhi Leonard on the Los Angeles Clippers. They spurn the Lakers, turns his back on the Raptors. What did you think of all of that, D-Wills? Well, you know, first of all, man, it's good to be back, uh, you know, back-to-back. It feels good. I feel like, you know, it's Christmas here in the middle of summer when I can get on with the big show. Uh, You know, we've been doing one mic and and everything, and and, uh, I always felt like we, we need to get the other half back up. So it just feels good to be here talking about at this time of the season. But, you know, I, I call this, we call this, uh, the title of this podcast, The Greatest Head Fake in NBA History. And that's what, that's what Kawhi did. Kawhi did the head, shoulder fake. He was in triple threat position. Everybody thought he was going right. And he went left and dunked on everybody. He just, it, it is, uh, as I told you, we're going back and forth in our uh, text messages. This is, might be the most gangster it's been. And, you know, Sam Presley now is Slim Child going to Russell, Russell Westbrook like he's like he like he Bodie and telling him things don't change. The game don't change. Bodie's still in the corner, ready to hustle, push and fight for them corners. And Sam had to go and tap on the shoulder like, "Hey man, uh, Avon in jail and uh, things are moving, and uh, you on your own out here in the streets." It just was like that, like like Paul George Day. They had Paul George Day a year ago. Like, Paul wasn't even in the conversation out of nowhere. I woke up, and I'm like, how did this happen? And it says so much about Kawhi. And, you know, for Toronto fans, Toronto got what they want. Masai did what he needed to do. He knew this was a possibility. 
Kawhi gave him everything he could give him. He gave him the title. And they all knew this was a possibility. But the damn Lakers, man, he made Jeannie Buss and Rob Palenka drive across town so he could be in a position to go talk to Paul and, and meet with them. I mean, he was just nobody. The way this guy was being branded last year when he had, uh, you know, uh, well, about a year and a half ago when he when he had all the issues with the Spurs and people – you know, you're not, you're maybe not a great communicator. With all the issues we're talking about, the moves he's making and his team's making is brilliant. And I just, you know, I, I'm like, I'm loving it. I'm loving it because I like anarchy. I like anarchy in the league. I like people being upset. I like all this movement. And the bottom line is, my Pistons could get rushed. I'm, all, I'll be happy. I'll be all right. You know, let, give me the gangster man with one bullet in his gun. And we'll take, come on out to Detroit, bro. We love you, baby. Come to us, and we will, we will take you all day. But I'm loving this. This is like the best summer I've, I've experienced. We got Zion only playing like nine minutes, but I still love summer league. And then I get there. The NBA is king. I'm going to say it right now. I even talked about NFL football. We got all-star baseball going on right now. Nobody. They almost drowned out a 15-year-old kid, Coco. Like, this is how bad the NBA is. You can outdo a 15-year-old kid in England. Like, the NBA, I mean, they on some new stuff, man. I want some of that. Can we get the right now? I'm sorry. Hey, went off I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm excited, man. Man. Yeah, I'm with but you. But it, it, um, this is where, where the league is. It is. It is. And this, this has been, I mean, like, when I think about when you think about Kawhi, like this, for me, this confirms, all right, there's always been suspicion, but this confirms to me that he is a cyborg. Like, it confirms it, right? Because to maneuver <laughs> and make all of these calculations and, you know, come up with all the permutations of what could happen and if he does this, then this happens and lay out all these scenarios, man, that dude a robot. <laughs> he's a robot on the court, he's a robot in free agency. The dude's a machine. <laughs> the Terminator. Nah, nah. What, what, and, and and the way he did it, just so smooth, just kept everything low key. I mean, like, so he had cats out here, and you know, I love this brother. I love his work. I love what he does. But man, he had Chris Broussard out on a limb, man. Cause I, you know, I follow Chris, and I'm like, man, Broussard think he's going to the Lakers. Wow. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, Broussard was in. Kawhi's going to the Lakers. It's a done deal. This, that, and the other. Man, he just, man, he just, he might have eaten Chris' whole career. <laughs> Chris might be done, bro. He's I mean, done with yeah, me. Yeah. Like, I ain't finna believe his brother ever again. <laughs> like, literally, he might have eaten Chris's whole career, man, because Broussard was going hard on the Kawhi to the Lakers, and I don't know if it was just wishful thinking. Or what? He need to he need to murk all his sources. <laughs> like if I I'm mean, when Wojo was, was when Wojo was quiet, I was quiet. When Wojo right. was quiet, we all should be quiet. <laughs> yeah, so it's like if I'm Chris Boussard, I'm rolling up like I'm, I'm Jake from uh, from Training Day. I'm putting cases on all you. <laughs> this is how I'm coming at my story. I'm putting cases on all you. <laughs> Pelican Bay. <laughs> 24-hour lockout. 
if if I'm Chris Broussard, that's me, man. That's how I'm coming at all my sources, man. Everybody that told me to go out for show going to the Lakers, I'm like, King Kong ain't got nothing on me. They finna feel the rap, man. Them dudes had this guy. He a he professional. Was, they got this dude out here looking like oh gumshoe, Keystone cop, <laughs> Inspector I Gadget. Mean, he was a Can't get no clues type cat, man. <laughs> he was on Colin Cowherd going hard. He was on his show with uh with uh Parker. He got that Fox intel. <laughs> he got that Fox <laughs> News intel, man. You know they don't be knowing nothing, <laughs> making up their own facts. <laughs> You can't make up facts. Facts is facts. As they say, everybody got their own opinion, but you can't have your own facts. No, you can't. You can't. You got to travel like me. Man, you got to get off Fox, man. Chris, if you listen, man, fire everybody. Your whole, your whole intern team, man. Get them all. Give them all their papers, man. Everybody got to go. Cause I knew it was trouble. You gotta come in there like Martin and just get to stepping. <laughs> what was to get no information? I was like, yeah, we all gotta be quiet on this one. We got yeah, all, man. we all gotta be quiet on this. Yeah, no. Nah. I mean, the only person who was close and he didn't know why he was close was uh, Winhurst, uh, Winhorse, because he was uh, he was kind of like. Uh, he looked like the Clippers, but he couldn't. He could, they couldn't see how the deal was going to be made. But he kept saying the Clippers. And yeah. the reason why it's why he went there is if you think about it, you got the logo over there, and the logo never say anything. He always quiet. They got bashing personalities, always moving in the darkness. Like that's the best thing to And you know Jerry West got in there, got that smoothness going. He quiet, so doesn't move. You know Jerry's like nobody move, nobody get hurt. You know, Jerry, he'd be locking it down. And I think he saw that, that lightness and that connection right there. Uh-oh. You got all kinds of going on. See, this, this, this is it right now. I'm talking too, I'm talking too deep. I'm talking too light. Now, now, now he'll come over and mess up my computer because I'm too close. But anyway, right. you know, this, this, he already working. He's working on me. He's working on me. But, hey, you know, cyborg. I think cyborg. about Jerry West's yeah, personality. Cyborg. I, I see Jerry West's personality. I see Kawhi Bang. You know how they ever say that? They they are measured with all their words, man. I, I think it's brilliant, man. He, when he, I mean the part, but that's the thing about it. You can ask for something, but how you get it? So Sam Press is like, because you know y'all making a run. You 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 make it like you build a championship team. You got Paul George on the contract. You got West on the contract. Like, what makes you make that move when you got all this change happening out west? That was the crazy thing. About if I'm Presti, well, this is the thing trigger. with Presti. Yeah, this is the thing with Presti. I think he realized, like, they were locked in. I think Presti realized that the Thunder team was locked in to being a fifth or sixth seed. <laughs> and yeah. that's their ceiling. And, you know, they've been trying to cut costs. And they're they in the luxury tax. And they're not trying to pay all that money for a sixth seed. You know what I mean? The way things mm. shook out. And so he's kind of like, hmm. Okay, you want out? Cool. I was looking for a way out anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Presti was kind of looking for a way out of it anyway. He was trying to figure out, you know, they was chopping Steven Adams in his contract. They trying to cut costs anyway. And they're like, PG, you want to leave? You going to come and ask me to leave? Whew. Thank you. <laughs> you know, well, Sam Presti like, was like, oh, man. I thought you never asked. Rush? Like, I asked you a text. I was like, so what did PG say to Russ? And then what did Sam say to Russ? I mean, who wants to make that phone call? 
I mean, if I'm saying I'm making that phone call and be like, Russ, it's been real. You know what I mean? PG said he wanted out. I'm going to make it happen. You know what I mean? Me and you can sit down. We can talk about what you want to do next. But, um, you know, we might have to close this shop down, man. You know what I mean? I'm thinking about that. Next time my portfolio, you, you know what I mean? I'm thinking, I'm thinking about trying to, uh, you know, get a couple new income streams. We might have to close up shop, dog. <laughs> it's hot out here in these streets. We ain't going to make it. Flip Chow rolled up <laughs> on the corner, man. Foley like, what's up, man? What the fuck? He's like, man, they got changed. Yeah, that's what he did. He's getting a look on his face. I mean, and I mean, again, if I'm okay, see. Yeah, if I'm okay, see, it's time to shift gears. I mean, and I'm okay. And if I'm them, I, I think, again, I think if I'm saying Presti, I'm okay with that. Like, it's a business. And so, and Russ knows that. And Russ gave that franchise everything they had, and they were loyal to him. And in their loyalty, it's time oh, yeah. to p- put him in a position where he's going to win if they're not trying to win. You know what I mean? Um, they're going to take an L on this Russ trade, though. Uh, they came up on a uh, PG trade, which is good because Karma's coming back for him, and they're going to take an L on this Russ trade because he makes too much money. Uh, for a 30-year-old point guard that relies on athleticism. And you're not quite sure he's playing nice in the sand. Because, you know, right. think about right. it, sandbox, you know, it's, it's like that's the, whatever is said, Paul George didn't want to stay in, he didn't want to stay in them trenches with you. And as soon as he got yeah. a chance to go home, you know, to Beverly, so he can get him a, he can get one of them clean ponds. He going to get clean that pond, and so it's yeah. like, damn, you like after one year, it was like we we even had a chance to really date and figure it all out, man. You know, I I hold the party yeah. for you. We do the party towards day. A year later, you out. It's like my goodness, y'all didn't get an annulment. This is yeah, yeah. Now now you got a storyline. You got a storyline. What do you do with that? And now it's like, which is the right team? You know, people come up with teams. What's the right team that he can go to? And it's got to be one of these smaller market teams or someone who, you know, has got to give a, a give a face like they they try to make a move going up. That's why I said Detroit. Or I mean, I know they were talking about the Knicks, but the Knicks can't do anything until December. Nah, you know, nah, that ain't real. That's just smoke. That's just smoke. You, you think it so ain't real? Russ has That's a say in this, right? Russ has a say in this. Yeah. Russ is going to definitely yeah. have some sort of input in where he winds up. He wants to go to a situation where he compete, where he can compete. And I think as long as OKC gets a commensurate deal, they're going to grant that. Um, and that's why, you know, in our in our little uh, in our little group meet chat, I, I, I put in there that, hey, I think you're going to end up in Florida. Um, your Detroit idea is the first time that's really floated by my mind. And I like that from a, a cultural fit, from a personality standpoint. I think Russ vibes in Detroit. Like, I think the yeah. D needs that. Like, they need that dude. Yeah. Um, again, does he play well with others? I don't know. Um, but if they can work it out where him and Blake can be like the Batman and Robin there, um, or the Iron Man and Captain America, however you want to spin it, um, that would be dope. I think that could be a good fit. Um, on the flip side, like Miami, I think, is the most logical destination. He seems like a Heat player. You know what I mean? He seems like a guy that Riley and Jimmy Butler can can rock with and they can build with and they can do some damage with. The Heat have some contracts and some young guys that they can move to make it happen. Um, the other place I thought was Orlando. Uh, Orlando needs a point guard. They made the, yeah. made the playoffs last year. Did they make the playoffs? I'm trying to remember. 
I think they snuck yeah, in they and did. got they eliminated. They, uh, they played Toronto. They did play Toronto. Yeah. Toronto. Lost Toronto. So they made the playoffs last year. They still don't have a point guard. Um, they have some young pieces, a Mo Bamba, a Jonathan Isaac. Um, they have some bigger contracts. I think Biombo is still under contract with like 17 mil. Maybe he came up this year. I can't remember. But they have some bad contracts that have a year of some expiring contracts that they could move as filler. They got Markel Foltz, who still is, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> I don't know what, Mar- what Markel, Markel Foltz is doing, man. You just kind of feel he bad might, for him. He might take trip to Russia and get some special treatment or something. You Russia's know, if, 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 if the NBA is a wire, yeah, if the NBA is a wire, Markel Foltz is dookie. <laughs> he he Duquan. He Dookie. Which is like, man, you root for Dookie, but it's like you just feel bad for him because he's just stuck, man. He, he like I don't know how it's gonna end for him. <laughs> That's Markel Folks, man. He just can't he just he can't catch a break. Like he can't catch a can't break catch and your heart goes out for the kid. He can't. He just can't catch a break, man. He's just like, dude, you in the win. You always struggling. I don't know, but you could throw in a Markel Fultz. You could throw in maybe one of the other young pieces, a Mo Bamba, or Jonathan Isaac, and in a bad contract, right? And maybe a pick. Miami don't got no picks. Oklahoma City already got all their picks. So that's the thing with Miami. Um, so in Detroit, I don't know. I haven't looked at their roster in this situation. I don't know what they got going on. They're probably gonna have to move Andre Drummond because I know he's making a lot of money, but I don't know if OKC wants him. They'll need a third team if that's going to work. So, you know, but, I, again, I like the fit in Detroit. I like the fit culturally in Miami. Orlando, I think, makes make sense given that they're trying to do something. They kind of ran it back. They re-signed everybody. So they're kind of moving forward as if they are going to try and compete and maybe continue to be in the playoffs. Russ would give them a superstar to be kind of the face of their franchise that they haven't had since Dwight Howard left. Um, and they kind of need that, and they need a point guard. Um, again, whether Russ fits from a basketball perspective, I don't really know. They ain't got no shooting already, and Russ needs to play with shooters to finish this out. <laughs> like, the end of his yeah. career, he needs to be surrounded by guys who can bust. Because uh, if he if ain't no spacing, he ain't helping. <laughs> He's not going to be as effective nah. as he could be. So I think that's something that they got to figure out as well. And the rumor is Houston might be interested. Um, I don't really see that working, though. Um, but you know, Daryl Morey, oh you, you know, they got CP3's contract. I mean, they could try to do something with that. I don't know. Trade one bad old point guard for another old point. I mean, an older point guard. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting. Um, I think, you know, this whole situation puts OKC in a weird spot where they're kind of being forced to rebuild. They traded Jeremy Grant today to the Denver Nuggets. Denver's yeah. coming up, man. That's going to be – so this Denver's is what I see up. right now, right? Yeah, this is what the league looks like. Like you have teams with two superstars, and then you have teams that are just deep as all get out. The Denvers, the Indianas, the Utah Jazzes, you know, teams like that that are just really deep. Um, they have maybe one star, Milwaukee, but they have very good – like, their number two may not be all of that, but their four, five, six, seven are pretty good. You know what I'm saying? And that's what you're looking at with teams like that that are not, like, they don't have the two stars. They got a bunch of other guys who are really strong. And that's kind of where, unfortunately, Toronto has kind of been pushed into that category. I don't even know if they have a star. They just have a lot of good B guys. 
know what I mean? They just have a lot of good B guys, and I think they will still be a very good team. You could look at Boston as being in that category where they got Kemba and then a lot of good players. Um, obviously, people think Tatum can take that next step. He ain't done it yet, so I'm not counting him as an A-plus player or, or cornerstone or part of a dynamic duo. He's going to have to prove that and earn that title, at least for me. Um, but Boston, I think, falls into that category. Um, Indiana falls into that category with Oladipo, who's a proven star. But, again, their, their second-best player is all right, solid, but it's the depth of the team, the sixth, the seventh, and the eighth guy who are still – C plus to B players that are uh, gonna make those teams strong. It's gonna it's gonna be real interesting this year, man. Like you can start counting off teams in the West, and you're gonna get to ten teams before you really start talking about. Hey, I don't know if they're gonna make the playoffs. And ten teams can't make the playoffs, but there are for real legit ten teams in the West who should be in the playoffs. Um, I don't know how they're gonna make that work because <laughs> only eight get in. <laughs> <laughs> but there's ten playoff teams mm. in the West, like for real. There are ten playoff teams. In the, West. the crazy thing I was gonna say: the only thing about Miami is Miami is got a got a death row aspect to it. That's what I mean. When you mess up, you gonna get called to that room, and it's got Pat Riley in there. There's something behind that door. Well, you don't you you don't kind of run shop in Miami, right? That's the one thing I wonder. You know, you, you, don't, you can't get caught to the principal's office. And I wonder how he would get down in that atmosphere. I, you know, obviously, I think you have a lot of respect for Pat and everything else. But, you know, Riley runs a different kind of shop. And But, see, I think Russ going to be know, all right with that. If you ain't playing play the right way, Riley will have that conversation along, you know, uh, with you. In a way that's like you know, and you got to respect it because he's bringing that championship pedigree. And so, and you, at you the same time, like no, I think okay Spoh's a smart enough coach. I think Spoh's a smart enough coach where he can make Russ's way the right way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Where he could make it so that like they bend the system a little bit to fit Russ and fit Jimmy because they're similar kind of cats. You know what I mean? They yeah. need the ball. They both will get to the rack, dudes. Um, they're both big time clutch guys. Um, they're both fiery dudes, and I think Spoh's a genius when it comes to, I mean, like yeah. the fact that he's kept that that team afloat, you know, this long is is smoke and mirrors at, at different points. Um, but uh, I think he could figure out how to make the on court stuff work, and I think for Russ, like the 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 heat way and the, the way that he do things, I think really fits with his personality. Um, Russ can seem like a loose cannon, but there's definitely a method to his intensity and, and, and a regimentness and a, and a work ethic that I think vibes in Miami. Mm-hmm. And also this is like an international city, like Miami sexy and Russ want to be in a fashion yep. and all that kind of stuff. This is this, that to me, oh, Miami is the perfect marriage for Russ when it can make it happen from a resource perspective and, and actually moving pe- pieces around to get him there. I don't know if Miami got the juice, but from a cultural perspective, that's the place that if I'm Russ and I'm leveraging my loyalty and my relationship with Sam and my relationship with the organization, I'm saying, get me to Miami, please. Like, I'm not going to go public. I'm not going to say nothing out loud. Just get me to Miami. Um, if you can make that happen, hey, I'll be a happy camper. We'll wrap this thing up. Let's keep it moving. If you can't get me to Miami, I, I'm, just, I'm staying here and you're going to pay me. 
I'm just scared what kind of outfit he's going to wear and get in Miami. My goodness. Hey, hey. You <laughs> might be, I'm about to put a call to Rick Ross like, man, tap on his shoulder, man. He's mad at home. I mean, yeah, I don't know man. what Russ going to do, man. Russ will come with a, a short side. One side looks like a short, one long. <laughs> I mean, Russ will come up with some looks. You and I will be like, oh, my goodness. We, we've let too much Hey, sometimes I'll be looking at Russ like, wait a minute, is that Pierre Cardin? Is that Pierre Cardin? <laughs> ain't no Pierre Cardin. That <laughs> 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 ain't no Pierre Cardin. <laughs> so you got, you know, and again, like Kawhi, Kawhi sent shockwaves through the entire league with this move because not only did he impact OKC, he impacted Toronto. And Toronto is probably going to win 50 games next year. But they're also at yep. a turning point and a tipping point where they got to decide. Um, I think Lowry's contract is expiring after this year, but he's making a ton of money. Gasol's making 25 mil. I think um, Ibaka's over 20 mil this year, and they're all expiring. So are they going to move those guys and try to get something for them? Are they going to try and uh, start to figure out how to build around Siakam? OG Anunobi's coming back. Van Vliet kind of came into his own. So they have some pieces in place, so they're still going to be very good. The thing I, I get tired of hearing people say is they were 17-4 and four without Kawhi. And people cite that, and then they cite K, the, the Warriors record out KD. And the thing I always try to remind people is that, like, sometimes those are rest games. And as a coach, I sit my players in games I know we got. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like I'm not sitting I'm not sitting my guy, my, 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 my beast against, you know, our rival or our best opponent. I'm sitting them against a the team we could probably win win that game without him. That's the game I'm gonna give them rest. So yeah, we're gonna have a good record without my best player. Because my best player is gonna be sitting games that we can get the dub without them playing. That's why they resting. Because <laughs> we can do it without him. <laughs> That's right. Like I think it gets overblown when people talk about these records when so-and-so is not playing. Yeah, they went 17-4 and four when he wasn't playing because they had him not playing all the cupcake games. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they picked, when, they picked those games to sit him. He wasn't just sitting games. You know what I mean? So, like, that's something that I think sometimes people who are uh, not as in tune to, like, how all of this works, they stock that number out because it's out there and not realizing, like, that's, a, that's an empty number. Some numbers are empty, and that's an empty number. Don't put too much into that. So, um, yeah, I mean that's a great yeah, point, yeah. man. You made on that one. Yeah, that's a great point. My goodness, I thought about it. I, I thought about that way, but you you just you, you said it out. That's a great point that most people miss. Yeah. So I mean, overall, the Raptors will be solid. They'll be a good team. They'll be they could be as high as the second seed in the in the East. Um, the West, though, um, and the Lakers, and what this did to the Lakers, um, I think it, it, it didn't hurt the Lakers necessarily. It just changed how they had to go about things. Um, and the Lakers have their own issues from a management standpoint. Um, I don't think that's a well-run team, and I think they just struggle to find the right type of guys for their system. Um, and I, I, I just think the decision-making there is bad. Um, and they lucky, luckily got AD, but overall, I, I don't know um, if they're putting the right pieces. I mean, they got Rondo in there. They got DeMarcus in there. 
They picked up Avery Bradley. That's a pickup I like. Um, getting KCP back in the fold, that's another pickup that's very solid. Um, makes a lot of sense. So they just have to continue to try and find the right kind of guys. Danny Green was a good pickup for the Lakers. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out, and they're going to be right next to each other. L.A. is going to be popping, man. L.A. is going to be the center of, of all of this. Yeah. But in typical Kawhi fashion, he chose to not join the the powers, but go at him. Like, he's the dynasty killer. So, you know, now he's got to create his own dynasty, and it's going to be real interesting to see how he does this. Um, because the Clippers, again, from a personality standpoint, it's a great fit. You got underdog guys who have come up and made a name for themselves in the league, like Lou Will, Patrick Beverly, Montreal, uh, Montrez Harrell, um, just blue-collar cats who go hard all the time, battle. Um, they're not out here for the glam. You know, that's that's Kawhi. And I think he felt that, but he knew he needed another guy to really get things popping there. And they found him one. Um, and it, it, it's, it's basically his clone to an extent. I mean, we're yeah. talking about a long dude who can defend, play both ends of the court. Man, they are going to be so tough to deal with. I'm excited to see them dudes playing together. Um, I think they got to find a center. Um, I don't know if Zubac is going to be the answer, but if they can get a good defensive center, that defense is going to be nasty. I mean, nasty. When you talk about P-Bevs and those two dudes hounding people on the perimeter, I mean, wow. It's going to be tough. And and Doc pulling the string. Doc is like, this Christmas. Doc is so glad to be in this mix. He's about to make the run. Hey, yeah. Doc did his thing. Doc did his thing. Yeah. Doc did what Doc does, man. I he mean, brought in. He they they still. And that's the thing, man. Organizations, 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 organizations. Um, and that's the thing. I think Knicks fans are realizing, like, if your organization is crappy, sometimes it don't matter what market you're in. The Lakers got lucky. They really did. They truly did. LeBron chose them. LeBron made that choice to become a Laker and it changed their fortune, or else I think they would be in the same position as the Knicks right now because it's not a well-run organization. It's not an organization that, minus LeBron, that anybody is wanting to come to. And, you know, I think they're at a point where they got to figure out, you know, what happens when LeBron leaves because otherwise y'all just going to be another version of New Orleans um, trying to figure out how to put people around AD and y'all don't have the, the brain trust to do it. Yeah, I, I think one of the things I think is, um, you know, that you made a point of is, that I think is really good is I think there are a lot of GMs who op- are operating in positions they they know who they are, right? They, you know, they know their market, they know their positioning, and they're maximizing based on who they are. So I think when Masai did up in Toronto, he made a calculator, but he understood who he was as a Raptors and what they, he'd have to do if he was going to take that chance. You know, we, we we made a run, we made a run. This is, I'm taking a chance to go over the top. And you, you have more organizations, particularly like you think about places like Utah and some Portland and some of these cities, they're, they're operating and understanding, you know, they, they kind of have this understanding of the quotient of, you know, how attractive are we to free agents, 
you know, are we going to build through the draft? Where, where can we go in that market? How much leverage do we have? I mean, all those things and understanding who you are in that. You know, that's why I always appreciate when Detroit was humming. They knew who they were. You know, they built through their draft. They built in a lot of these different ways. Um, and then there were times when they had to get just free agents and they went over the top. You know, I think you have more organizations who understand who they are in the pecking order. And you sometimes get organizations who you are not the Lakers who you're going to get lucky because you're in California, and they try to operate that way. I mean, I think even Phoenix is understanding to the extent that they need to build through a draft or something like that. So those are things that I think are really powerful about a number of these GMs. Um, some of them drive me crazy with the overuse of the analytics because I, I, even the media, I mean, I, I try to get people to understand, like, look, um, uh, analytics only gets you into certain spaces, and then you need to use qualitative reasoning. You need to do qualitative analysis. You, you can't just use the numbers. At a certain point, you have to be, you have to have uh, some qualitative information, other information to triangulate. You can't just be driven by um you know, um, all the analytics. You've got to be able to balance the qualitative and the quantitative. I think you have more people who are operating in those spaces, and that's why, they get, they, you know, you have these competitive teams being produced. Maybe they're not going to make a run for championship, but they're going to have guys who compete every night. They're going to push you, you know, and, and that's why it's going to be a log jam for that, that, eight, that eight spot, you know, because there's going to be a lot of teams who are going to be pushing to that. Yeah, and, and I'm with you on the analytics. Like, I'm an analytics guy. I like the information. I, I always did. It's never, as my mama used to say, when you know better, you can do better. Um, so the more you know, you know, information is not a bad thing. But you got cats like Daryl Morey who are forgetting, like, this ain't NBA 2K. Like, these ain't, like, AI bots. These are humans. And so there's a whole other level of information that you also have to take into account. Like, how are people going to, like, the, the, the social emotional data <laughs> that you get, yeah. right? How are people going to mix yeah. from a social emotional perspective? And what what's happening with that on the court? And how does that impact how people play together and, and what roles they want? Forget what, they, what the numbers say that they're good at. Do they want to do that? You know what I mean? Do they see That's themselves right. differently? Like, every player has aspirations and desires and things that they want that then impact what you're going to get out of them on the court. And if you don't align with that and you don't become in tune with what those things are, then as a coach, as a, as a leader, as a roster builder, you're, you're going to be putting apples with oranges, you know what I mean? And trying to make a food salad, you know what I'm saying? And not realizing like this, this don't go together. The numbers say it go like they both fruits. <laughs> so it should work out, but this ain't the same type of situation. You know, and, and that's that's what you see with Harden and Chris Paul. Like in theory, that should be a great marriage, right? That should work great. And the numbers say Chris Paul scores in the areas that they want to score from. He can create shots in the way that they want to create shots. This, that, yada, 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 yada. But in the in the in the real in the locker room, they ain't getting along. So none of them numbers matter, and it's gonna change all the numbers that you expected to get, right? So that's the piece of you got the numbers, but the numbers are the results. And sometimes you have to look mm-hmm. at how do you get to the result? Like, how did you get to that number? Mm-hmm. How did you get to that data point? What's going on around it? Who's playing with who to create that, right? And there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of human chemistry going on that this goes unnoticed and, and you know, un- unaccounted for by, you know, the untrained eye because you ain't got to know basketball to know the numbers. 
That's right. You know, and I, I think that's where you get the pushback on the analytics people is that you have a lot of numbers guys who don't really know the game. They just know how to crunch numbers. And there's that, that as you said, you got to triangulate. You got to have, you know, multiple people in the room who kind of can see all the different perspectives of what goes into success um, in an athletic environment, whether it regards to sport, in any athletic environment, there are certain things that are going to lead to success. And a lot of that is interpersonal. A lot of that is intangible and it's not quantifiable. And you got to have people who have their eyes and ears in tune to that. Otherwise you're going to be swinging and missing a lot. Um, and I, you know, again, folks that lean too heavy on the analytics, you know, I think the analytics can help you tweak things that you're seeing um, and maybe help you refine, but they can't be the driver. And, my, and that's just my opinion. I, obviously, there are people who are paid way more, way more than me who make it work and find success. But I do think that, you know, and there, there are merits to that, that strategy. But personally, I think, you know, that's, how, that's where you refine what it is you have. Um, and you and you fine tune it, and you figure out where where can we maximize what we have. But you can't just figure out. I think it's hard to figure out what you need based upon just numbers. So, so Daryl Morey, you're gonna continue to lose if at some point cats don't take the shots that's open. So when they yeah, and, he, around, and you know what they might figure. The thing I always say is never you, though. With, I won't say never. They might figure it out, and they might be on to something that we haven't seen before and doing it in a way we yeah. haven't seen before. I'm always open to that, too. So I won't say never, yeah. but I'm saying he's still missing a piece. And part of the piece is, again, usually when you're, you're, you're like one of the four teams left, most likely you're going to get somebody who's a great defensive team. And with two right. minutes left, and they know what shot you got to take. They're guarding a few point line and the rim. You got to take the shot that's open. That at some point you got to take the shot that's open. You dribble to the basket and dribble all the way back out. That's twenty five seconds. That's then it's fifteen seconds you've used already on the clock, and you down right. five. Right. Like there are some things yeah. you have hard fast rules. You can't go with hard fast rules. You got to go with what they are innovation. You got to let people innovate at that moment, and I think that's well. well that's why. That's why the Warriors did. got KD. That's why the Warriors got KD. You know, people. There was that debate. There was that debate during the playoffs. Oh, the Warriors better without KD. The Warriors are different without KD. They're very good without KD, but they're very good with KD. What KD gave them was when you get against another great defense. They always say great, great offense beats great defense, right? A lot of what the Warriors do is based on movement. Is based on system, right? And Curry can go out and create his own shot. He can, but it's going to be a 30-footer. <laughs> and Clay can create his own shot, but, again, it's going to be a three-point shot. They needed somebody when teams were taking away that three-point that, that three line from Steph and Clay. They need somebody, and they're taking away the rim, right? So they're taking away the rim. They're taking away the three-point line. Guess what they're not taking away? Guess what they're giving you? Everything from – 14 to 20 feet. And they needed a dude who was an assassin in that area. And that's what KD gives them, right? Yes, they can win a lot of games without KD. They can possibly – I think they could have possibly won a championship this year without KD if Clay doesn't get hurt in game six. I think we're going to have a game seven. I don't know if they win game seven, but I think we would have had a game seven. 
right? So they're very good doing what they do, right? But with KD, it, it, it makes them indefensible, right? It makes them another level of good. And because he, he gets those buckets where we got to take what the defense is giving us right now. Forget what our system gets. Our system gets us three. It gets us some looks at the rim. But they're not giving us that. So we got to have a guy that can take and punish them when they give us that stuff in the middle. And that's what KD was um, for, for right. Golden State for those two years. And they're going to miss that. Right. You know, I, I, you can't replace that dude. <laughs> I don't care. You can't replace that dude. Like, you just can't. And, and, um, and, 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 so, and when you say that, I'm convinced that Harden can do the same thing. I'm convinced he can. And he just doesn't because that system tells him not to. There's times you like. Right. And I know Chris Paul, if, if you watch that game, the last two games, Chris Paul pulled up two or three times from the, from the free throw line. Because he just knew it's sticking with you. That's the shot he get when I get anything else. Made them both. And if you remember, yeah, well, also, if you remember when he first got there and they were playing the more traditional Dan Tony system um, before they went super heavy ISO, because they only went super heavy ISO toward the back end of that year when Chris Paul got hurt. But when he first got there and he was healthy, like he was he was one of the best mid range shooters in the league that year. Like, he that's was right. hitting mid-range at a high clip, and they were letting him take those shots because he was hitting them at an effective percentage. And that's the thing when people talk about the mid-range, and they say the mid-range is, like, you don't take mid-range. No, you don't want just anybody taking mid-range shots. But LaMarcus Aldridge, yeah, let him take mid-ranges. Why? Because he's going to make them. That's CJ right. McCollum, let him take mid-ranges. Why? Because he's going to make them. <laughs> right? So it's about, like, right. are you going to make that shot? <laughs> if you're going to make that shot, then make that shot. Otherwise, take, try and get a layup. It's all worth two. So if you're going to get a two, get the easiest two possible. If that's easy for you because the percentages say it's easy for you, then this is where the numbers kind of, again, help you fine-tune what, what your players are doing. Like, okay, you want to take that mid-range shot, all right? I'm not going to tell a kid not to shoot as a coach. This is me getting my own. I'm not going to tell a kid not to shoot. What I am going to tell you is what shots you make the most. <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to coach you to figure it out. Right? I'm going to let you know what shots you make the most and say, hey, get to that spot. Right, and I'm gonna keep pushing you, right. giving you those nudges. Like that ain't your spot, bro. <laughs> that ain't where you make. That ain't where you good from. Let's play from where you best from. Let's play to your strengths. All right. So let's. I'm gonna teach you how to leverage what you already do really well, and then grow from that. Right. And so there's certain cats though, they can hit me Rangers, and so you gotta let them take them shots. Like if you hitting that shot at a at a decent percentage, shoot it. <laughs> Shoot it till they guard it. I'm like, so. Then when they guard it, beat them. from the ashy elbow. I'm good from the ashy hey. elbow. I'm going from the ashy hey. elbow. You know that. And, I'm, I'm gonna pull and up that's why I pull out the analytics right. and be like, numbers, <laughs> the survey says. <laughs> <laughs> then that's where I pull out the numbers and be like, well, actually, <laughs> you're only 30% from right there. That's not a great shot. <laughs> We don't need you shooting 30% two points. If you're going to be 30% from be 30% from three. <laughs> so, you know. But, but yeah, hey, man, that's, this, that's, this that's is going to be a fun but, year. But you're in the right hand, but you got you to know who you are. And, and, exactly. And, 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 I, I, and that, the one part I, I do like about Daryl is that he, he, that's who we are. And so, you know, some of these teams have a strong conviction about who they are. Then, then you have teams like Charlotte. But, you, but, but at, the, at the end of the day, 
you know, I, I love the energy that's coming out of this stuff. You know, the, the, the Laker fans, I mean, I have a feeling everybody talks about L.A. being, you know, we know how, you know, you got Laker fans all over the country, but I, I, this, this Clipper team, by the time they're done, it's going to be interesting how, that, how the energy in that, in that town changes. With, with the I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, I because the Clippers know who they are. They've committed to being somebody. That's right. Same thing with Brooklyn. Same thing with Brooklyn. The Nets committed to to one becoming a top notch organization, and that trickled down to yeah. what was happening on the court. Same thing with the Clippers. They said, "Let's become a, a top notch organization, right?" And then we'll start to find players and identify players who fit. They they started operating with the end in mind, right? Like this is who we want to be. Right. Let's find guys who are that. Right, I was reading an article, and they were talking about Steve Ballmer. When he took over, he was like, you know, what I want is people to eventually be able to say, that guy right there is a clipper. Right? The same way you can say Russ, he fits in with the heat culture. You know what I mean? Certain guys, you see him and like, dude's a spur. <laughs> he don't play for him yet, and he yeah, may sure. not know it yet, but that dude's a spur. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there are certain guys who fit in certain cultures. And so, like, you have to have that. Oh, Golden State has an identity. You know what I mean? Like, there's not That's a right. winning team that doesn't have an identity. Um, and and where teams get lost in the sauce is when they have identities that aren't attached to now, <laughs> like the Lakers and the Knicks, where it's like, man, you talking about stuff that happened before some of these cats was born. <laughs> you know what I mean? When you're talking about the Knicks, like, you know, these guys might remember Patrick Ewing, you know, but they don't really remember – the last round of glory days in New York, and they definitely don't remember the last time y'all won a championship because I ain't even see that. <laughs> so these young cats ain't, 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 ain't see that either. So, you know, and then the Lakers, you know, they had the Kobe years and everything, but as far as recent memory goes, they've been picking number two in the draft for like the last six years, you know? That's um, right. So it, 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 is, it is very much kind of figuring out who you – who you and for those teams it's hard because they want to be what they were, and you know as you know as Flip said in Above the Rim to to old Shep you know they can't erase what we were Shep they can't erase it but you also have to move past it and you have to become something else <laughs> you can't live on what you were <laughs> and, and that's where I think the Lakers get stuck in, in living in and, you know everything is we need to bring in this old Laker to help us figure it, like with Kurt Rambis and and Magic and. And these are these are great executives, but they may not be what you need at that time. You know what I mean? Just because they were connected to what was does not mean that that's what you need right then. And I feel like the Lakers get too caught up in that, and it, it just leads them to making poor choices consistently and consecutively. And, you know, again, they get lucky because they're in L.A., and they are the Lakers, and they do still have some pristine and some prestige and, LeBron wanted to make movies, and if he was going to make movies in L.A., he was going to be a Laker. He wasn't going to be a Clipper at the time. Kawhi chose the other path. And now they're going to clash, man, and it's going to be a clash in the styles. And that's really – this is really for this Clipper organization a real chance for them to solidify who they're going to be in that market. They've never really had a chance to do that. Like they tried during a Live City era to be like a bootleg showtime. You know what I'm saying? Like, they tried to be flashy. They tried to have the, all the dunks with Blake and CP3 and DeAndre Jordan, and it just never popped. It just never – they just couldn't get it going. And I think they're going in a different direction now. I mean, like, we can't – we are never going to be as flashy or as, like, 
star-studded as the Lakers. That is their brand. Our brand has to be the other thing. And we got to identify to the other people who don't necessarily vibe with the Lakers and what the Lakers are about. And we got to build a brand that's going to identify with that crowd, with that market. And it's about to it's about to hit the fan, man. This is about to be some old yeah. Marlowe Stansfield versus Avon Barksdale. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, and, and Kawhi's walk, brother moves on. Yeah, walking up in there, like, you know, cat got your tongue. <laughs> hey. Trying hey. to go there, trying to get, 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 get access to the rack, to the connect. Yeah. It's, it's, hey, it's, and, yeah. and Kawhi, that young yeah, boy. Kawhi, that young boy, don't say yeah. too much. Don't say too much. Just kind of come in and do what he's doing. And, again, like, you know, there was a lot of – Go ahead. I, I was gonna call him. We've been talking about him, calling him, you know, brother Muzan, but I was, I was gonna call him Michael. You know, it's like that you too. never know this cat. He's the last one standing. <laughs> After all yep. said yep. and done, he's the last After one all standing. Said and, done. <laughs> and, and you know, it's like Mike founded Scotty with, with the Paul George thing. It's like Mike founded Scotty. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like on the last podcast, last podcast, I said, you know, Kawhi, he 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 gives off stylistically um, how he plays a Mike vibe, and he just found his Scotty. Siakam may, may maybe yes, could have been in Scotty in Toronto, but he knows he has a Scotty in Paul George. Like Paul George is Scotty. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and Paul right. George knows he's Scotty, and he needs Jordan <laughs> if this is gonna work. You know what I mean? Um, and so this is this like I said, man. This is gonna be fun. This is gonna be fun. I just oh, wish KD was healthy. If KD was healthy yeah. and Brooklyn was full force, oh man, this would be fantastic. Oh, this would be so enjoyable. And, and what's crazy about the Clippers is you know Bomber gonna open up that new stadium, and now he got a buzz one. I'm, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. No, this this, this 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 speaks to a, a blog I'm about to drop. One of my boys. Uh, Alex Polo Polakowski is going to drop a. We're going to feature with the guest feature in the blog. He's going to hit on this, who the real winners are with these moves. And so people got to go to realsportsguys.com and check it out. It's something I, I better hit too deep into it, but it speaks to who the real winners are when these moves get made. And uh, he's, he's got a perspective on it uh, about someone who's really winning that nobody's talking about. So check that out on Real Sports Guys. But Bomber yeah. is and, about this new statement. Yes. And what is also, again, if you're paying attention, what all of this shuffling is doing, it is allowing teams who are not at a contention level right now to stack assets. Atlanta, the Grizzlies, OKC now. All of these teams are using the fact that everybody else is chasing. The fact that more teams are engaged in a title hunt is allowing other teams to rebuild. Right, so it's like the league is feeding itself, and now these teams with these young players and these assets are able to stockpile and start to build a, a base culturally on the court, but also in the front office with assets and draft picks and things like that, cap space, this, that, and the other, so that they can strike when the iron's hot for them. Right, they can grow their young core because people are looking to make moves and maneuver, and so. You also see some of the bottom feeder teams being very opportunistic and very smart um, about, you know, when to get involved in these trades 
when to kind of fall back. And these are the teams that, as these current powers start to fade out, you're going to see the Atlantis and the Memphises start to rise to that level where they may not get two, two, two superstars, right? They may not get to that point, but they're going to be built like a Denver. They're going to be built like a, a Indiana Pacers. They're going to be built like a Utah Jazz. There is a model for small market teams to be successful long term. It's just a long game, and you got to play it. You can't try to, you know, it would be great if the Knicks started to operate like a small market team in a big market. That's what Brooklyn did. Yeah. Right? That's what Brooklyn that's did. That's problem. how they got you to the point where they got you, to. And you look at, I watch the Knicks summer league team, and they're 0-2, but you look at the kids that they got playing, you know, Iggy uh, from Michigan, and he had 25 last night, uh, you know, and, and some of the guys they got going, they got a young group to build with if they had the mindset you're talking about. You know, they got guys who got a little bit of chip on their shoulder, guys who could ball. And if there wasn't so much pressure to have a big splash, this isn't a bad core that they would have to build with over the next two or three years. Some, some cats who right. got some games who, ain't, who are not afraid, um, and you can build a chemistry with these young guys. you got the right coach you can build with. I mean, they got all the pieces together. And the Knicks, if you think about it, going back to the Starks days and all those guys, they had hard-nosed guys, not guys coming from, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you got Patrick Ewing as your big splash. But if you look around their team, most of those guys were cats who, who, who had something to prove. And that was the essence of, the, of that run, and Riley fed on that. And you got some guys right. here who got skill, but they come with that same, if you were okay with that. You know, New York always feel like they got to make a splash, the Knicks. But the group they got right now, watch them play last night with some of the vets they, they add into it. I'm like, they got a nice roster coming together. I mean, I wouldn't. Yeah, they just got to let it bubble. They just got to actually know, commit to developing the guys that they get. Yeah. I, mean, I don't they know if they're going to go that 40, far. And I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if, the, I don't yeah, know if they can win 40. I'll give them 25. I think they can. I'll give them 25. I'll give them 25. I'll give them 25. And what I will say is that what they need is to, get again, bring in, start to establish a culture. And that's the way we're going to do things. Mm. And this is what it means to be a Nick. Mm. And this is how we're going to work. Because that's what Riley did back then. And that's what Riley's done in Miami. Like when you look at the Miami that's teams, right. Riley is always finding undrafted guys. And when you look at those Nick teams, right. he found undrafted guys. Like Anthony right. Mason, uh, John Starks, uh, Chris Childs. They just kept finding guys who were kind of cast off to the side. They had the mentality. They had the work ethic. Riley identified that. They brought them in. They groomed them. They developed them. They became role players, right? And that's what Miami does. Miami is always unearthing some some guys who were, again, cast off. Like the cat they traded for Jimmy Butler, Josh Richardson. He wasn't no big-time draft pick. You know what I mean? Like he, he wasn't anybody. Tyler Johnson, he's on a $19 million contract right now. He was the guy that they developed, you know? And so, like, they continue to do that, and that's a part of what Riley does. Um, and that's, but that's a top-down thing. That's the top, top of the organization has to be in tune with that. And a lot of times, man, a lot of these teams get caught up in foolishness, man. And it's hard. That's a hard market because there's plenty of foolishness to go around in New York. <laughs> there's plenty of foolishness to get caught up in between the media coverage and everything else. Um, but they do have some good young pieces in that core, and you just have to figure out how to grow them together. Uh, Fisdale, they got to commit to Fisdale, and they got to let Fisdale coach those dudes. Also, that's another piece that I've seen and kind of just from observ- observing from afar that I've noticed with teams that eventually come out of it, 
like Philly and and Brooklyn, right, and Utah, right. They they get a coach and they let that if they feel like that guy can coach, they let him coach, and they let him grow and develop the guys in front of him. They give him some security so that the guys can't overrun him because they got longer contracts than he do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Kenny Atkinson. I mean, he's been there since Brooklyn was terrible. Brett Brown has been there since Philly was terrible. They could have fired him. They had every reason to fire him if he was going to base it on record. Like, they could have got rid of him. But, again, is it about the result or is it about the process? And that's where the Knicks, you got a good coach in Fizdale. I think Fizdale is a good coach. I think he has the ability to be a very good coach. They got to let that man work his magic. And it seems like Memphis, who has been kind of the other way, constantly you know, changing the coach and, and doing that kind of stuff, has finally figured out that they might need to just settle down. Right, get a guy who's going to develop young talent, let him grow with the guys, and just continuity and consistency is so important when you're building a culture. I, I agree with you 100%. And that's where you know that a team is on a, on a position for uh, success is um, uh, is when they are uh, making that kind of commitment to the coach and the leadership making it clear that this is going to be our culture and and, right. and having the confidence all the way up through the management that you're going to be in a few times. That's the early sign. And you're right. You see Brooklyn doing it um, and turning around. You see Milwaukee doing it um, and really settling in. So, you know, and it's paying dividends. Indiana has always been, the Pacers have always been sneaking that way. They've always had that solid core leadership, at least establishing what the, what the environment is going to be, and that's why, you know, they're able to have a team that's continuing to compete even when those people get hurt. I mean, that's a really good indicator of a culture of folks who just pick up and make it happen. So, yeah, I mean, that's mm-hmm. got to be the way moving forward. And, um, you know, people who follow more of Fusco are some of these some of my big market, or these big market teams who feel like they need a splash. And uh, we'll see we'll see, we'll see, see what comes up. But, you know, it, it's Christmas. And we're getting all the gifts we can for all the basketball levels. So, you know, I'm opening my presents. <laughs> I'm opening all my presents. Right and I'm now. telling you, the games ain't even started yet. <laughs> and the games, October can't come fast enough, man. October can't come fast, fast enough. enough. You know, yeah. Well, let's wrap this up, man. This has been a great chat, wrapping with you. Um, you know, real yes. sports guys back in full effect, the big show, like no other. Uh, we back right. at it, and so man, I appreciate you pulling me back in, man. Every time I every time I think I'm out, you pull me back in, and I love you for it, man. That's it. I appreciate it, and uh, you know, folks out there, man, enjoy this 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 uh, this awesome. We got one more shoe to drop with Russ. Um, I'm 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 ready to make predictions, but I want to wait. <laughs> I really want to <laughs> dig in and figure out like, okay, well, I want to make some predictions. Let me look at this. Let me see who I think is gonna do what. But I've got to wait on that next shooter drop. Russ is the next shooter drop because then it's going to be a whole other set of dominoes to fall once Russ comes, once the Russ deal comes. Um, and that's what's going to make this crazy to think about going forward, man. So, well, all right, brother, I got to get growing. You know, you, again, thanks for having me on. It's been real. All you listeners out there, take care. Till next time, peace. Peace. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.